Hi, I'm Daniel Budai, and this is the Ecom Show, a podcast where you can learn more about the world of high-performing e-commerce players and marketers. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. Let's grow your e-commerce business together. Hey, everyone. Today, uh, we will have Banton, the CEO of Harmon Brothers here. And uh, just a bit about uh, the company itself. So um, I remember the first time when, um, when I could see your name was the ClickFunnels video. Uh, and actually, in my uh, circle of friends uh, here in Europe, we talked about that video. We really liked it. It really caught our attention. And uh, I think it was like two years ago, uh, maybe more. I think you know it better. Uh, when this video came out on their website, mm-hmm. and uh, since then I've been following uh, the you know uh, Harmon Brothers, and uh, I think uh, it's also good to know that you have a podcast, Poop to Gold uh, podcast, and uh, you the company uh, the company's videos was created for clients generated over uh, five hundred million dollars in sales and uh, one point four billion. Uh, views on different uh, platforms so that's about Harmon Brothers in a nutshell and I think let's start with the story of the company itself Um, and also I'm really curious when did you join the company and what's your personal story yeah yeah let's uh let's start with uh with the story of the company and then we can shift and talk a little bit about my story so I think our Genesis event goes all the way back to when Google bought YouTube. I don't know how many people remember that. It was like, I want to say it was in 2006, if I remember correctly. And, you know, YouTube was a video sharing site where, you know, cat videos and stuff were, were going viral, yeah, yeah. but there was no business application for it yet. And Google bought YouTube. They paid $1.6 billion, if I remember correctly. And at the time, everyone thought they were crazy. $1.6 billion, you know, for this silly video sharing site. Yeah. But of course, Google had visions of turning it into an advertising platform so that businesses could make use of it. And, uh, And so Google set off on that journey. And my partners, um, in particular, Jeffrey Harmon, was one of the very, very first creators to put an ad on YouTube. And he was trying to sell a product called the Aura Brush, which was this tongue scraper that you scrape your tongue with and it gets rid of bad breath. And he made this ad for it and he chose a really odd length for it. It was, his ad was two and a half minutes long, which at the time was kind of unheard of because you had TV spots, which were either 30 seconds or 60 seconds. Or you had infomercial spots, which were like 20 to 30 minutes long. And he chose this oddball link, which was two and a half minutes. And everyone was like, no, Jeffrey, that's not going to work. You, there's nowhere that you can put that, you know, put a two and a half minute ad. And so he, uh, he, he persisted and said, no, I need two and a half minutes to be able to sell this product. And... So he reached out to YouTube and asked, can you give me a skip ad button so that the people who want to watch this can watch it and the people who don't want to watch it can skip it. 
And, and of course, YouTube was like, yeah, sure, we'll give it a try. They were kind of in startup mode where they were willing to experiment and see yeah, what yeah. works, what doesn't work. <laughs> and of course, YouTube gave us the, the skip ad button. And in my opinion, at the time, no one knew how big of a deal that was. Mm-hmm. But now that we're what, it's been, I guess, 15 years, I can think of very few things that have had as big of an impact on the whole advertising industry as that skip ad button did. Because if you think about it, that was like a giant shift in power from advertisers to viewers. Prior to the skip ad button, advertisers used to kind of be able to make whatever crap they wanted to and then just like force feed it to us. But that skip ad button shifted the power back over to the viewer. and, And so the viewer can choose what they want to interact with. And of course, fast forward to today, now we have news feeds on Facebook and Instagram and everything else. And it's the same principle, right? If you don't want to watch something, you just scroll right past it. Permission based, the whole yeah. thing. And back yeah. then it was interruption based. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I, I feel like that was kind of the genesis moment in our history where everything we've ever done since then has been all based on that principle of we're trying to give the viewers something that they actually want and something that they can really enjoy. Skip skip the ad, right? Skip skip the ad button uh, that I use a lot nowadays. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, and what happened after? It was 15 years ago, so. Yeah, that, so that's, um, it's kind of funny because a lot of people have not heard of Harmon Brothers, but almost everyone has heard of our clients hmm. because, you know, after Aura Brush, um, then came Poopery, and Poopery grew from about $7 million per year. I think the next year was $30 million per year. Then came Squatty Potty, and they grew from $4 million per year to $30 million per year. Then Purple Mattresses grew from $3 million per year to over $100 million per year. Then Chatbooks, then Fiber Fix, then uh, the most recent one is Lumi Deodorant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in 2018, Lumi Deodorant, I think, did $1.5 million. In 2019, they did about 25 million. 2020, they broke 40 million. Now this year, they're tracking at over 100 million dollars. So, there are our clients. Um, you know, are all these companies that we've kind of helped grow from the single-digit millions into the tens or hundreds of millions of dollars, and every single one of them followed that exact same principle that started back with Orabrush, where we're trying to give viewers something that adds value. So they actually want to watch it. They want to interact with it. They want to comment, they want to share. And we believe that by doing so, we're helping all these different brands on their own, we call it their own poop to gold journey, where you know every business yeah. starts in obscurity. Our hope and, and our goal in helping these companies is that we can help take them from obscurity where that's where all of us entrepreneurs start, where no one knows about us, no one trusts us, no one remembers us. And we want to build that trust so that over time we can become a household name that everyone remembers and they know and they trust and, and they love. Like that's eventually where, you know, a Nike or an Apple or a Coca-Cola, they've built these brands and these household names. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what we're trying to help our clients uh, do. So that's us. Yeah, great. Uh, and do you still uh, have the, 
this typical length of the videos, like a few minutes, not 20 minutes, not, you know, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, but something like two, five minutes, something around that? So we always say, make it as long as it needs to be, but not a second longer. Yeah. And so we're, we're really careful about making sure that we get rid of any fluff. We get rid of anything that's just like tangential or extra. We want it to be just the very core. And, and the other thing that we're looking at is, are we getting the rhythm to where when you're watching, you kind of forget about time? Uh, because if we do a good job, yeah. then you can watch a five minute long ad and you won't think about time. It won't feel like five minutes. Whereas we've all experienced the opposite of that when like you're in a, the middle of a commercial break and a 30 second ad comes on, but it just feels like it drags on and on and on because it's so boring. Yeah. Um, so our longest ad, I believe, was 11 minutes. And then, you know, we have ads that range all the way down, um, you know, even when we do a two minute or a four minute or a five minute ad or whatever, we still make versions of it where we cut it to 15 seconds, and 30 seconds and mm -hmm. 60 seconds. So we have lots of different variations. But I would say, you know, for like the full hero video that, you know, does the sell from start to finish, I would say on average that runs two to four minutes is usually where that lands. Uh-huh. So if I understand correctly, you have a longer like the hero video, which which is we can call it pillar content, or I know Gary V says this. And then basically you cut out you know parts of it and you use it on different channels. Maybe for a Facebook ad, it's usually shorter or other channels. Something like this, what you do with clients, the structure. Yeah, yeah, I think. There was a time, you know, back in call it like 2015, 2016, around that time when you could just do one hero video and uh -huh. just drive millions and millions and millions of views to that one hero video. And that's what we yeah. did for, you know, Poopery and Squatty uh -huh. Potty, probably even chat books to, to some mm -hmm. degree. Um, but now you really need a portfolio of content. Uh -huh. So just like you said, you know, you have your hero um, and then you do all these cut downs. Um, then you also do, you know, we call it, we call them sidekick videos, but you do all of these um, videos that, you know, help to build the story and build the characters and that sort of thing. Uh, but they're all themed around, uh, around the hero video. And by building up this portfolio of content, uh -huh. uh, that that's kind of the, the magic uh, recipe that we found really works today. Yeah. And uh, for what channels do you create videos? So I know on the website, uh, I remember click, the ClickFunnels video was on the landing page, I think. Uh, probably YouTube, I guess. It's good for longer format. And, and how about other channels? Facebook, maybe even TikTok, Instagram? Yeah, we, we haven't found a ton of instances where... Um, where advertising on TikTok has, uh, um, I guess, produced a, an immediate ROI for our clients. I think you could argue that, you know, there's a lot of long-term ROI that, that could be garnered there, uh, but we haven't seen a lot of immediate ROI there. Uh, so mm -hmm. I would say the main channels would be uh, Facebook and Instagram, of course, YouTube, and then surprisingly enough, traditional TV is making a big resurgence 
um, not in terms of viewership, but in terms of underpriced attention. Okay. Uh, so it, it's kind of funny because you, you go back to 2016 and TV was all overpriced and you could come to Facebook and get and buy really undervalued attention. Um, but now all the big brands have gone digital and they've kind of left this void back in traditional TV. And so now we're finding all sorts of instances where we'll take our content, we'll help our, we'll help our clients test it online to figure out which is the variation that works best. And then once they identify it, they take that offline, go back to traditional TV. And some of our clients are just getting phenomenal ROI back in the, the traditional space. It's kind of funny how that works. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, but I, I guess it's harder to test with TV. So as you said, first they need to experiment things uh, online. It's faster, it's easier to measure things. And once you have something working and it's kind of a safe bet, you can uh, put it on TV and, uh, and you know, you get the ROI. It's really interesting. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. I could see on your website. So let's talk about Harmon Brothers more. Uh, I can. I could see the university on your website, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm really curious what it is about. What we can learn from the university? Yeah. So I I referenced that poop to gold journey. Yeah. Where you know all of us entrepreneurs start in obscurity, and we're all trying to become household names. And when we're at the beginning of that poop to gold journey it's really important that we focus on sales. We need to be very direct sales oriented mm-hmm. because we need to spend a dollar and get $2 back. That's what's going to allow us to, you know, uh, pay our employees, pay our bills, keep the lights on, all of that sort of thing. But if we stay in that world where we only care about sales, we're going to have a very short lived, uh, uh, I guess um, our success will be very short lived. I'll, I'll put yeah. it that way. Yeah. The example that I use is uh, Snuggy, uh, Snuggy blankets. Um, I don't know where most of your audience um, is. They're probably all over the world. Uh, but in America, about 20 years ago, there was an infomercial that ran for these Snuggy blankets. It's like this big blanket that has sleeves, so you can put it over yourself, and then it has these sleeves, and then it stays on. And this infomercial sold something between 300 and $500 million worth of these Snuggie blankets. Like it was a massive, massive success. But the crazy thing is despite selling, you know, potentially $500 million worth of these things, they never bothered to build a brand. And so they had like this three to four year window where they just made enormous amounts of money And then they faded into obscurity and now we're 15 or 20 years later. And, you know, my kids have never heard of Snuggie and you can't find Snuggie in any stores or, or anything. So Snuggie is just gone. And, and that's because they stayed in that, in that world of just focusing on direct sales and they never bothered to build a brand. And, um, And so we're always trying to help and teach our clients to say, yeah, it's really important you get the sales, but as soon as those sales are coming in, you need to start focusing on how do you build brand that people know and remember and trust something that they uh, can uh, 
uh, relate with emotionally and something that they want to talk about at the dinner table, something that they want to share with friends. And, and that takes time and it takes effort and it takes work. It takes investment. Uh, but back to your question of, so what is Harmon Brothers University? Essentially what we're trying to do is meet people in their own poop to gold journey. So we're trying to help these entrepreneurs who are at those early stages who need to get those sales. So for instance, one of our courses is called Easy Ads That Sell. And in there we teach how to make, I'm trying to remember if it's 14 or 15, it's like 15 different ad formats mm-hmm. that are all very low budget, easy to produce, um, and they all drive sales. And, and so the goal there is to give entrepreneurs who are early in that poop to gold journey, who they don't have big resources, we're trying to give them the tools and the skills that they need to be able to drive the sales so that they can, uh, you know, they can get their first levels of success that then allow them to look forward and say, okay, now let's start to think about how do we build the brand? How do we bring in characters and story and all these things that make it fun and make it memorable? Yeah, I, I really like that you mentioned that um, everyone can, you know, everyone should think long term, but if you have a limited budget, it's harder, right? So everyone can think as long term as their budget uh, allows them, I think. Um, yeah, maybe can you mention a few examples uh, of of these ad types, let's say two or three uh, Yeah, so one is what we call um, an explainer testimonial ad. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the easiest ones. And it's also super effective because essentially all the ad is, and, and if you look around Facebook, you'll, you'll, see this, um, you'll see this format used occasionally. What you do is you, um, you start with basically your elevator pitch, which in one sentence, maybe two sentences, you tell what your product is and why it's different or why it matters to the customer. And then you just provide a whole bunch of reviews, call it five to eight reviews that come from your customers. And so your customers have essentially already written the ad for you. Um, You just need to go in and find the ones that um, are compelling, are entertaining. You wanna make sure that you get some variety in them. And then when you build that into an ad, there's all sorts of different ways that you can do it. You know, you can do it as simple as just like find some still imagery and then put um, a dynamic typography over the top of it that shows the review. Or you can shoot some B-roll or some product shots or, you know, you want to keep it cheap and easy, but you can shoot some shots that then a narrator is reading the the review, or you might even have footage of your customer actually giving the review, you know, face to camera. Um, and we've seen, we've seen these explainer testimonial ads. We've seen instances where a single ad drives millions of dollars in revenue uh, for a company. I think one of our recent ones was uh, Lumi deodorant. Um, we didn't, we did one of these explainer testimonial ads for them and it was phenomenally successful. It drove like $3 million in direct trackable sales. Um, we've had other ones where our students have built these styles of ads and, uh, and driven, you know, tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in, in revenue for them. So, um, you know, that's just one style of, 
of these easy ads that sell that that's something that we would teach in that um in that course easy ads that sell another one would be uh, um uh, a product demonstration video so oftentimes you'll see on uh on facebook uh like stop motion photography of a product in use so one that we did was um one of our clients is called murphy ladder where it's this ladder you know how ladders normally have rungs like this two yeah. vertical rungs and they have the horizontal yeah. rung in there well this is a ladder that collapses where each vertical rung mm -hmm. collapses like this and so yeah. it you know it compacts down to you know, a package that's like this big around, and then it's just kind of a, a cylinder almost. Okay. Um, and, and we showed that just using stop motion uh, photography. And so the ad is just a very simple ad that just shows the ladder going, whoop, whoop, you know, it's just folding and unfolding. It shows the main benefit of the product in a simple way, right? Exactly. They, they also do it with GIFs in emails and it works really well, so. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's a, that's another style of those ads. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing these. I, now I became really interested, so I, I will check it out, uh, the university. Um, let's talk about, uh, storytelling and copywriting because mm -hmm. I really think it's underrated. And, uh, when I saw your, uh, video ads, I really like the, the stories and, uh, I, I think it's, Probably not for uh, beginners. Uh, when you start out with your business, you shouldn't invest tens of thousands of dollars into copywriting if this is your first business. Uh, but at some point, uh, if you get there and you want to build a brand, I think uh, it really, you know, it, it's needed at some point. Uh, and and a good story for the video and and all of this. What are your thoughts on on copywriting storytelling? and having these for, for videos? And also at what level someone needs this kind of thing? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, let's start with uh, your question about at what level. Um, like I mentioned, at the beginning of the poop to gold journey, all you're focused on is just sales, right? You, yeah. You've got to get those initial sales in the door because that's yeah. the lifeblood of your company. And And at that point, it doesn't make a lot of sense to focus on storytelling and character development and, and all of those other things that they're long-term investments. But if the sales aren't coming in the door to keep the business alive, then uh, it just doesn't make sense to make those investments. So I would say a good rule of thumb um, is I would say if you can grow your business to roughly call it one to $2 million per year mm -hmm. um, uh, on, you know, just focusing on sales, then that's probably a pretty good time to start thinking about, okay, now how do I get into storytelling and character development and, and building a brand universe or a brand world, the, those type of things. Um, does that cover uh, the, the, uh, the question about when? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it really answers it. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So now let's move on to, um, I guess, some of your other questions about my thoughts on, on storytelling. So uh, one, I really like the question, by the way, because as an organization, we, we believe that we're an organization of storytellers. 
And we've become famous for the ads that we make, but we see ads as just one, you know, one avenue through which we can tell stories. And in fact, Walt Disney started in advertising and then he moved over to animated storytelling. So did Pixar. Pixar started in advertising. If you go to YouTube and look up Pixar. Um, I didn't early know Pixar, that. I, I, yeah. I read I read the book by, uh, it's somewhere here on my shelf. I, I read the Creativity Inc., really good book. Yeah. And I yeah, just got the other stuff. one by uh, the, uh, what's his name? I don't know. Ride Ed of Cat a Wolf. Lifetime, I think. Oh, I'm not familiar with that one. It's a new book. It's a, it's a really new book. Anyways, I, I follow these guys. Uh, okay. And uh, I didn't know that they started with ads. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They started with ads. As well as um, some of the famous creators in Hollywood right now, like uh, Ridley Scott mm-hmm. started in advertising. I believe he did the Apple 1984 commercial. Um, uh, Michael Bay, um, he, mm-hmm. he started in ads as well. So a lot of great advertisers do, or sorry, a lot of great storytellers do start in, in advertising. And, and that's a path that we're, we're trying to, to go on ourselves where we've really built a name for ourselves through advertising. And now we're trying to take that into other storytelling uh, worlds. So for instance, um, in October, so uh, what are we? We're about six, six, six weeks away, I believe. We're going to be launching our first television series. Um, and then we have a couple of others in the works as well, because we're trying to take those storytelling capabilities and expand them beyond just advertising into, you know, eventually we want to make movies and, and, okay. uh, and, uh, you know, it, we want to be world-class storytellers in, in all avenues. But at the same time, we believe that having our team work on that type of content is only going to make them better at, at storytelling in, in advertising. And, and so when I think about, Uh, you know, storytelling from a brand perspective or from a, from an advertising perspective, if you really think about it as human beings, um, we are wired to transmit knowledge through storytelling. Like, you know, before the printing press and stuff, that's how information got passed down from generation to generation. It was just through storytelling. And so we're wired to remember stories, to connect with stories. And, and so when a brand can tap into that, it makes the brand so much more memorable. It makes the brand connect at an emotional level. It makes the brand more trustworthy. It, it makes the brand more sticky. And, and so I think, uh, I think a brand would be crazy not to be thinking about how do we get into storytelling and how do we make that like a core part of who we are? Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um- You mentioned the Apple uh, ads and uh, mm-hmm. in the 90s, I can uh, remember two. Uh, one was quite similar to the book 1986. I think 1984. Sorry, na- yeah, 84. Yeah. Uh, there was a an TV ad uh, and also there was one uh, where they featured Microsoft or Windows. Oh uh, yeah, you're, you're thinking Mac versus PC. Something like that, yeah, 96, 95, something yeah. like that. 
Apple has been so good at this for so long that, you know, we, we could probably choose half a dozen different examples where Apple yeah. has been so good at this. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, Mac versus PC is one of my favorite advertising series of all times. Uh, the 1984 ad, of course, is just, you know, legendary at, at, at this point. And, and they, even to this day, they still lean into it. I know last year they produced a series of, um, uh, I would call them narrative ads where they're actually telling the story of this group of coworkers mm-hmm. who they're trying to navigate this crazy world of trying to work during the pandemic and they have yeah. a super demanding boss and they have crazy hectic lifestyles. And, and so it's a story about these individuals and then Apple products and Apple imagery are just like peppered in throughout. And then of course the, it ends, you know, with the Apple logo and, um, and, and so there's, yeah, to this day, they still experiment with storytelling in, in their advertising. They're so good at it. Yeah. What are your favorite video ads? Now I have to ask this question. Mm. That is a really good question. I have, it's so hard to choose favorites. Like, cause there are so many yeah. good ones out yeah. there. Um, Obviously, I'm partial to some of the ones that we've done. Uh, the the fiber fixed car commercial where we had where we threw cars off of the cliff. Uh, that's one of my all time favorites. Um, there's another car commercial that I really liked um, from several years ago. Uh, Dodge um, in America int- reintroduced the Dart name. So back in the 1960s and 70s, Dodge had a car called the Dart. Yeah. And they, they reintroduced it in America. This has been probably, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago. And when they did, they came out with this ad um, that was set to music. And, uh, and, um, and it had a narrative of how they created this car. But it was the rhythm of it was just amazing where the beat of the music kind of dictated the rhythm of the ad. And it was just so phenomenally well, well done. Uh, I could look up the the link to it and send it to you and you can circulate it to uh, um, to, to, all, to all the listeners. Um, let's see, we already talked about several great Apple ads. Um, yeah, those- uh, I, I remember Coca-Cola ads too. Uh, the, the Santa Claus in the in the truck. I, I think it... it was it in the US as well? Here in Europe, I could see it a lot like every year in my childhood for like 20 years almost. Uh, I don't know if you have it in the US. It's I'm, I'm not sure. I know, I know Coca-Cola kind of established Santa Claus as he is today, like prior to Coca-Cola. I don't think Santa Claus always wore red. Um, that was actually Coca-Cola that branded him as, you know, all red. I didn't know it. Coca-Cola uh, colors. Yeah. Uh, so I know he is a figure that they have used in their advertising probably for more than 100 years. And and they've really, uh, you know, affected culture in general. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, through that character. Yeah. Interesting. Um, one more question. So I always I really like this question to ask uh, from uh, video ads companies and, you know, everyone who, who touches videos. Um What's the importance of the gear? So should it be, you know, everyone needs expensive gear and cameras and microphones or, or it's not necessary. Everyone has a different viewpoint. What do you think? Um, 
So when we're in the advertising world, we always say sales first, art second. And when we're in the storytelling world, we always say story first, art second. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, well, yes, gear is important. And yes, it matters about picture quality and lighting and um, resolution and, you know, all, all of these other things that make for great cinematography. Yes, that stuff matters. But if you don't have a great story or maybe you're even thinking earlier than story, maybe you're just thinking sales, right? If you don't have a great sales pitch, then none of that other stuff matters. Yeah. And, and so I would say start by experimenting with just cell phone footage. Um, like I mentioned that easy as the cell course. And we usually recommend in that course, like just start by pulling out your cell phone and, and capturing footage on your cell phone, because that's a great, great place to, to start and to experiment and to learn what works and learn what doesn't work. And you can filter out all the crap and identify, you know, what are, you know, what are the gems that, that really matter? And then once you identify that, you can start to invest more heavily into scaling those up. And sometimes that comes with, you know, higher grade cameras and lights and lenses and and all of that stuff. But I would never recommend someone start there. Yeah. With an expensive camera, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I saw guys with expensive cameras shooting uh, bad uh, footage and no story and all of that. And yeah, 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 I totally agree. Um, Yeah. We got one question from the listeners. Uh, okay. I just read it loud. So, hi, uh, would you think an explainer testimonial ad can apply to marketing a video production business to gain more clients? Uh, yeah, I, I think it could. Essentially, you would start off with saying, you know, that quick statement of this is what makes us different or this is why you should, you know, be paying attention. Um, and then you would transition over to some testimonials that reinforce why you're different or they reinforce why people should be paying attention. And yeah, I, I, I don't know if it would be effective all by itself in terms of, could you convince somebody who's never heard of you before yeah. to all of a sudden they're like, here, take my money. Mm-hmm. Um, would that ad get them all the way from, you know, point A to point B. I don't know, probably not, but it probably would be a very helpful tool in building the trust and building the credibility uh, so that, uh, you know, they become more familiar with you and they trust you more deeply. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is there anything else that you would share with uh, e-commerce agencies and uh, e-commerce companies? What should they focus on in the next few months before the holidays? Hmm. Or maybe just, you know, uh, main principle regarding videos, what they should focus on and, and what they shouldn't focus on. Um, you know, I feel like where people tend to lack in, in this space, in my opinion, at least, is actually the bigger vision. It's mm-hmm. not just you know, the next few months to get ready for Black Friday and and Christmas shopping. 
it's it's having a it's having a more robust strategy that identifies this is where I'm at today, but this is this is where uh, uh, um, sorry this thing is popping up telling me I'm trying to raise my hand I don't know why I guess because <laughs> I put my hand up <laughs> um, yeah it, anyways what I was going to say is that I believe that every entrepreneur should have um, should be thinking about a roadmap to go from how do I get from where I'm at to how do I become a household brand that people know and remember and love and trust. And, and that is super important because it helps you prioritize. So when you jump online and you hear, you know, Gary V talking about like, Oh yeah, you should be on TikTok, You should be on Insta and you should be on LinkedIn. Yeah. And, and you can put that into perspective and be like, okay, you know, he has a social media team that's probably, you know, eight to 10 people full time who are out there capturing content, they're editing, they're writing, they're posting, yep. all of that stuff. And that makes perfect sense for him. But when you're looking at your own, you know, poop to go journey, you might realize like, okay, that will probably make sense a few steps down the road. But today, it might not make sense. Um, maybe my time would be better focused on whatever, an explainer testimonial ad or, yeah. or you know, wh whatever the, the case may be. And, and that way, um, as you're getting all these recommendations from all these different places, you're reading books, you're attending conferences, and all this stuff is coming at you, instead of feeling overwhelmed and feeling like, I have to do all of this stuff, instead, you can look at that roadmap and say, ah, yeah, that makes sense right here, whereas this other thing probably makes sense over here and having that big holistic picture is going to be so valuable in in helping you prioritize and identify this is where i need to focus my attention and all this other stuff it can come later and i can be at peace with that yeah i think in the mar in the marketing world everyone uh, loves hacks tips uh, tactics um, but what many people they don't understand is that uh, it only makes sense uh, if you know your strategy and then you can pick the right tactics, the yes. right uh, toolkit. Um, and yes. I, I, I'm, I, you know, I also follow Gary Vee nowadays less than before and I know he's a huge in social media and like two years ago I thought I really need Instagram and uh, TikTok and all of that. And uh, recently I just realized uh, it's just not really me. It's not really our agency. We post on social media, but we are very far from Gary V in terms of uh, quantity. Um, and it's not, it's just not our, you know, focus and who we are. Uh, so this tactic, it makes less sense for us. Um, and I think everyone should really know their, uh, we can call it vision and uh, what's the right strategy there and what tactics fit to that uh, strategy. Yeah. 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 I, I've, you know, had a similar experience myself where, um, you know, I've experimented with trying to, you know, post on social media, at higher volumes and mm -hmm. more frequent and, and that sort of thing. And I've just discovered that it doesn't fit my personality or my skill set. Whereas I prefer to, I like to think about a topic deeply and think about it 
um, you know, over an extended period of time until I start to form ideas or opinions around it. And then I like to write those ideas out and formulate an argument around them. And so uh, writing articles has mm-hmm. been a much better, uh, much better avenue for me personally, because it gives me, it gives me the space to actually articulate the ideas that are in yeah, my yeah. head, articulate what I want to get across. And, and so I've been lucky enough that Entrepreneur, Entrepreneur Magazine um, has picked me up as one of their contributing um, writers. And so now I can't remember how many I've done, probably four or five um, different articles that, mm-hmm. you know, go in Entrepreneur Magazine. And, and I think that only happened because I quit focusing on like, you know, all the daily, you know, posts that didn't mean as much to me. They just kind of felt like filler content. It felt like fluff. Like and tasks I focused, to do, right? Yeah. 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 I focus much more deeply on, on things that actually mean something to me. And so those, you know, those articles that I've been writing are getting much broader reach than, uh, you know, than previously. So it's, it, yeah. 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 Really interesting. And, uh, I, I wish that everyone should figure this out. Um, and then, you know, you, everyone will have clarity on this, what they want and how to achieve that. Yeah. Um, thank you, Benton, today. And uh, thanks for the listeners today. Um, Happy to be here. I... In, in the description, we will add uh, the website, the university link, and uh, probably a few videos as well, what we discussed. And uh, people can watch those uh, ads. And, Sounds great. Uh, yeah. And uh, every week we come out with a new uh, podcast episode with a live stream. And uh, once I hit the finish video, uh, the finish button or, or whatever button it is. So once I finish this, everyone will get a survey. And we just ask everyone if you want to see more webinars like this and what topics you are interested in. So please just, uh, just fill it out. And uh, yeah, thanks again. Happy, happy to be here. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Daniel. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Ecom Show podcast. If you want to learn more about e-commerce, retention marketing, check out our Facebook group called Top 3% E-commerce Email Marketing or check out our website, thebudaimedia.com. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. See you in our next episode. And don't forget our goal, grow your e-commerce business together.